turn on those headphones. It's time for Naughty Talk with Sunny Lee Maine. Welcome to Naughty Talk with Sunny Lee Maine, the podcast that explores all things kinky in a sexy and inclusive way. This show is intended for mature audiences aged 18 and up, and some listeners may find it disturbing. We believe in risk-aware consensual kink here on the show, so if you do try things mentioned on the show at home, know that neither the show nor the cast are responsible for any accidents, injuries, legal or property damages that may occur while getting your kink on. Hi everyone, Sunny here, she, her. Welcome to Naughty Talk Season 2, Episode 1. I'm super excited to be kicking off our new season of Naughty Talk. And to help me out today, I have an amazing guest. I am here with Nothead, he, him. How are you today? Very good. Thank you for having me. Now, you're a little bit known for your rope work, specifically Western rope, and more recently for your really incredible photography. And I would really love if you would just sort of tell our listeners a little bit more about your roles and identities within the kink community. Tell us who you really are. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, I've been on, I, I, you and I connected through FetLife, and I've been on Fet, I'm an early adopter. I think I have a, uh, a sub 100,000 user number. Um, so I've been on since 2007, 2008, something like that. I got known as a, uh, as a rope top, as a rigger, whatever you would like to call that. And partly because I was, I was tying sort of different than the dominant, you know, sort of socially accepted shibari that everybody's into. Um, I was always drawn to sort of Western bondage. And uh, eventually, to as I got a little better, to more advanced things like predicament play. And started to post pictures of it. I was, I was very lucky. I was dating a beautiful girl at the time, and she was kind of an exhibitionist. So she really... She enjoyed having everybody glom all over her pictures and ask questions and tell her how hot she was and how horrible that tie was and whatever. I, I got, um, she was a heavy spanko. She was a heavy impact bottom. So I, I sort of got versed in that and got an education in that and enjoy it. And we'll get more into that, but it's one of those sort of service topping things I can enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've sort of been kinky since forever. I'm 50 now. So I've, but I've been, I've known I was kinky, or I knew kinky was hot before I knew what the word kinky or hot meant. Um, and have always thought DS was very sexy, uh, bondage was very sexy, um, uh, mind fuckery and protocols and sensation play, and I'm just sort of open to a lot of it, sort of ethical hedonist maybe. If, if it's interesting, if it looks sexy and fun, uh, and maybe it looks sexy and fun with this person and not that person. Um, I'll try it and maybe I'll try it two or three times to see if I got it right. So I'm kind of open-minded to all that. Um, maybe about seven, eight years ago, maybe not even that long ago, I, I got the bug to sort of improve photography or improve my photography. Prior to that, I was like everybody else. It was bad cell phone pictures just to prove to myself that I got that cute chick tied up. I was super excited that I got to tie my girlfriend up. So I took terrible photos. I absolutely did. It was, some of them are just nearing a war crime. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I met some folks and, uh, one guy in particular that, um, really helped educate me on photography and really showed me 95, 99% of what I know. And I don't take credit for just having been natural or, or any of that. And I slowly got out of, of playing and, uh, tying and doing things publicly and got more into sort of the service end of, of the photography side of it and uh, put events together and presented a lot of events uh, here and overseas and known for uh, I'm the guy that you bring to the event that I will set up a photo room and I'll shoot everybody. Um, if you're fun people having fun, I probably want to shoot it and send you home with some good, good images of it. And, you know, hopefully sort of, I guess, uh, you know, in the grand scheme, trying to affect sort of a paradigm shift of, you know, kink should have better photography and kink, you know, everybody deserves it. And it's, it can be easier and more fun than, than people, you know, more approachable, uh, much like rope, more approachable than, than people think it is. 
And it, it sounds like we are going to be lucky enough to have you dive a little bit deeper into the photography stuff on its very own episode. And I'm super sure. excited for that. Looking forward to that. And, you know, just kind of um, giggling over here, listening to you talk about sort of your kink awakening, because I like to tell people that personally, it was not a shock to me that people do kinky things. Like my brain was just born kinky. And the shock to me was that there were other people that were as kinky as I was. Sure, absolutely. And um, I'm one of those people that um, once I discovered that, I, I sort of had a hard time accepting it. And you get, you and I have very different kinks. Um, so you meet somebody um, that's kinky and you naturally assume they're onto all the exact same things you are because kink is kink, right? And it's not. And just because you found somebody kinky doesn't mean you found somebody that's into the same things you are. Um, and one of the areas that I still struggle with is trusting that someone is actually into that thing and they're not just doing it to please me or just because I want to. And that can be its own kink service oriented or, or that, you know, submission uh, and getting off on the submission to something that is not maybe your kink, but that takes a whole, as we say in the thousand, another takes a whole nother level of trust to know that somebody's actually getting off on doing it just for you. Uh, but yeah, kinks lining up is, it's, is a whole different thing. Now you're, now you're looking for a very specific needle in a very small haystack. You know, it's funny that you say that. I was just talking to HypnoStory and I was saying being so far on the left side of the slash, mm -hmm. I have, you know, entertained um, a more total power exchange type relationship with a submissive partner. And I was talking about how in my brain, sometimes I get stuck on asking for what I want because I'm so far on that side of the slash that it's hard for me to envision that someone would get pleasure from doing the things that I would ask of them because Absolutely. I wouldn't. And oh, it, it's kind of a not. mind fuck. <laughs> it, it, really, it really can be. And uh, especially once you go from just, I'm, I'm making air quotes, just play of whatever that sexy thing is to now you try to have a real relationship where kink and DS are a nice stable foundation of it or, or maybe how you met. I find that sometimes it's hard to keep that in and it tends to leak out. It, it sort of lets the bubbles out of the champagne to where you get, you met over kink, kink was great and now you try to have more. The vanilla know, part's all fucked up. <laughs> sure, yeah, the vanilla part's all fucked up or there's too much vanilla. If you want that 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 nice foundational constant, and it doesn't have to be super duper strict, but you want the nice foundational constant of the slash and of the, the DS, but it's, I think it's hard to find that balance. For sure. Finding somebody that you connect with at an emotionally intimate level and share enough kinks with for the sex to continue to be hot, it is sure. difficult. That is, a, that is much better put than my rant. <laughs> um, That's my job. <laughs> sure, but the... Um, yeah, when, when you were saying that it, it's difficult, um, I have an, an even a, a different take on what you were just saying about how it's difficult to understand that someone would enjoy doing those things you're demanding. One of my major kinks is that I really get off on the uh, the power of the pleasure giver. So I'm, you know, big, evil, heartless, emotionless, top, sadist, whatever, but I really got to know that you're getting off on it. So it almost becomes a, this circular service thing here. I'm supposed to be the demanding top DS relationship, whatever. But at the same time, I really need to know that it's working or it doesn't work for me. Absolutely. So, so there again, yeah. is your, is your own little mindfuck when you try to make an actual relationship or some chemistry out of it. And you know, some of the folks on the show, I think it was actually Panda and HypnoStory. They were talking about, you know, they have this, um, sort of MS, but also sort of DDLG dynamic. They talk about receiving acts of service. And mm -hmm. one of the things that we often talk about is that as a top, you know, sometimes you need that reassurance that your partner is really still into it. And, um, you know, you well, need a little bad. bit of aftercare that that was okay, that you're not a monster for loving these things that you love. Without a doubt, I dated. Uh, this same Spanko that I talked about earlier, she was a heavy Spanko and and very, very, very healthy. So she healed very quickly. 
So to where we would do a really heavy impact scene, or for what at the time I thought was really heavy impact scene, and she would jump up from the couch to go look at her butt in the mirror because she had to see a mark. But her, you know, you get to that part where you're, hey, what's missing? Hey, what do you want to explore? Hey, how far do you want things to go? And one of her enduring recurring fantasies was she wanted CNC, uh, consensual non-consent for your viewers. Mm -hmm. Uh, She wanted the CNC where she wanted to be roughly tied up, gagged, whatever, or roughly, roughly tied up. And I do an impact scene with her and I just go, go, go real hard until she reds. And then she wants me to tie her tighter, gag her and continue until I decide I'm done. Well, that's really hard. That that's, that's tough. The amount of reassurance I need to do something like that with somebody you care about, especially, is really, it's a lot. It's its heavy, like you were saying, heavy aftercare for the top. Um, we dated for two and a half years, and it probably took me two years to get to where I would do any version of that. And it was just about trust and consistency and making absolutely sure that she definitely wanted that and that I knew, obviously, I was still doing it for her, but I had to know what it looked like. I mean, I, I talk about predicaments all the time, and um, your version of predicament is different than mine, and, and the same as that scene I was just describing. If I say, hey, think of your favorite Corvette, you're, you're thinking of a different Corvette, and I'm thinking of a boat. So we, it, there's a thing about getting everybody on the same page, no matter what you're doing. Absolutely. And, you know, I've talked a lot about, you know, how I often use erotica to share fantasies. And, you know, there are lots of different ways to have that conversation, you know, okay, we're going to do this really intense capture fantasy scene or whatever it is with CNC. What's my sexy vision of that? What's your sexy vision of that? Where do they meet? Where are the limits? You know, those really Mm -hmm. intense scenes, they require so much extra negotiation. And, you know, also reassurance, extra safeties, like maybe if you want to use red in the scene as something you go past because it's your fantasy, you have another safe word sure. that's like the real one, you know, the Absolutely. secret safe word. And and it can be difficult as the top sometimes. People sure. think, you know, oh, it's the scariest thing for the bottom, but it can be terrifying to think it, like it I'm, I'm pushing, is. you know, what if I push too far? Absolutely. And one of the unspoken pitfalls of that is... Am I ruining it by talking about it? It's like flowers. You like getting flowers. Well, is it nice if he just does it? And does it diminish it if you had to ask? Yeah, it does. It diminishes, hey, would you get me flowers on the way home from work today? That's not nearly as sexy as being surprised with flowers. But if you don't talk about your, whatever it was, a capture a CNC or or pushing past a safe word or a, whatever it was, or I'm going to say no and you still do it. Um, if you don't talk about that stuff, it's really not safe to mess with. If you do talk about that stuff, it may diminish the heat a little bit. It, it, it's sort of a catch-22 there. Right. Not being on the same page, you know, even if you had, you know, a little bit more element of surprise or spontaneity, not being on the same page is ultimately going to result in a less safe and a less sexy scene. Mm-hmm. So you were talking a little bit before the spanking about some bondage. Sure. <laughs> I'm hoping we're going to dig into that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so. somewhere we were talking about bondage. Sure, yeah. As, you, you know, so how has your, your personal journey with sort of rope and bondage evolved over the years? Like a lot of folks, um, I think, uh, I started with, with, with super basics. I've always thought bondage was hot. Uh, not rope bondage, not chains, not suspension. I just thought the idea of tying up your partner was really hot. And I think earliest memories of it, I can remember, you know, obviously cartoons, Scooby-Doo, and I saw a Tarzan paperback that had a, um, probably a Frank Frazetta painting of a, of a gorgeous girl tied up on the back. Um, and that was before I knew what hot or kinky even meant. I just, there was something going on there, uh, tied up almost every girlfriend I've ever had and they've been into it. It's been, it's sort of that chemistry thing you, you seek out. Like, you know, you, you get involved with people with this fun, adventurous spirit. And I think bondage is part of that, at least for me. I started with, like a lot of folks, terrible fuzzy handcuffs, neckties, karate belts, whatever I could get. And like uh, you and I were talking the other day, and you have the impression, which I did, that, that rope is slow, rope is complicated, rope is way too intricate. Um, and not accessible to Joe average person that has a kinky brain. And so I avoided rope for a long time. 
yeah, I was like, I want to play. Like, I don't want to spend two hours. It looks yeah. so pretty. Like, I love Agreed. photography. Yeah. I can totally see the art, but like, I want to yep. play. I want to tie for two hours. <laughs> I totally understand that. And I eventually um, dated uh, uh, several different subs that were, were into rope and wanted me to try rope. And I tried it and I'm an information junkie, like a lot of kinky folks tend to be when they, when they get into something. And I, um, I bought every book there was, uh, I bought Midori's book and Lee Harrington's book and, and, uh, everybody, everybody's book that there was, and there was not a lot of good information out there and it was kind of hard to learn. And a lot of the stuff, Naughty Boys was another great, um, you know, those guys do cool stuff, but it's a lot of unitaskers where you have one intricate tie for one use. And it's complicated knots and it's a lot of single line work and it was not working for me. Somewhere in there, uh, I did my first set of rope. Uh, I had some, some terrible hardware store rope and some nasty coconut or sisal or I, I boiled my first set of hemp, made an attempt at that. I had some, it's just a hodgepodge of garbage, just bad stuff. Uh, Eventually, I saw Matt Williams of kink.com. He was, it was called hogtide.com first, and it became kink.com. Uh, Matt Williams has tied up a hundred times the amount of girls that I ever will. And he's very, very good at what he does. And we have a very similar philosophy. I've never met the guy, so I've never, I can't speak with authority. Uh, but he seems to have a very similar philosophy and that it's, it can be very simple. It can just be some Legos that you build what you want out. And that's the sum total of my philosophy with bondage. Um, I'm not into the intricate patterns or complicated harnesses. I'm into that's the pose I want her in to do the thing. I want to put her in that pose. I need cuffs here. I need a double there. I need adjustable knot. We're done. And now we do the thing. And for me, bondage has always been about what happens once she's tied up. And I don't like to make generalizations versus Shibari or versus Eastern style or Japanese inspired rope, but it's, it's hard not to make some generalizations, but there's exceptions to every rule, certainly. But for me, it is about what happens once she's tied up. I'm tying my partner up for a reason, for spanking, for sex, for predicament, for tickling, for mind fucking sensation play. So it's positional bondage for a reason. And so it doesn't have to be 45 minutes of tying. It's not a scene unto itself. Nope, scene hadn't started yet. I'm tying you up. We're, we're still tying. Nope, okay. Now we're going to do the thing. It's it's not a big, you know, 30-minute, 40-minute performance on stage set to music that's like a dance, which is beautiful. And some of my very best friends are, are world famous for their performances. Um, it's That's not my cup of tea. To me, bondage is about what happens when she gets tied up, and I want to get to that part. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to get done with the tying. Um, now, there's a little different take on it when we get to the photography side of it, um, but in general, for me, that's that's where bondage is at. Bondage is so I can do the cool thing to you. I have extra hands holding you down. So you just dug up a memory that was kind of like buried in the vault. Oh, goody! And. Um... Oh my gosh, I'm going to tell this story on the show. Okay. <laughs> so when I was quite young, and as I mentioned, like my brain was really kinky, but I still didn't realize that like, it was a lifestyle that there were other people that were as weird and fucked up. <laughs> right. And amazing. And, and amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't know it was a thing. You know, I just had these fantasies. And um, one of my, I think was my very first sexual partner, I was like, you know, young and excited and I wanted to like express some of this kinky stuff. And quite frankly, this person was just really excited, I think, to be having sure. sex at all. We were right. young. Right. There's and, um, an age where that's the, that's plenty of an accomplishment. Um, but you know, that, that kind of mindset also, I think, allows for some openness because you're both so excited. You're like, sure. sure, I'll try anything, you know? And I was like, I really want to tie you up. 
And he was like, okay, why not? <laughs> you know, and yeah. I didn't have any fancy rope. I didn't have any cuffs, nothing, not even under bed restraints. I had no toys. And so I ended up using what was on hand. Mm-hmm. And I actually used like t-shirts and stuff like clothing. Oh, very cool. Oh yeah. That's, that's a whole separate, um, sort of sub kink and it can be a lot of fun. It was. Well, yeah, yeah. it started out that way, you know. So so I, I've got like, you know, this pile of like laundry and I, I tie him up and um I'm like, oh, I really wanna like gag him. Like I wanna like, I'm really excited about this. So, you know, we're both having a good time and I like run out of clothes in this pile in this clean laundry basket. And so I open a drawer and I pull out a pair of socks and like shove them in his mouth. Oh, <laughs> You missed the opportunity for the panty gag and you went with the socks. <laughs> well, it's worse than that <laughs> because, you know, um, I'm just going to say, well, I won't make any generalizations. I'll just tell you this person had done a very odd thing. I have never known somebody to put dirty socks back in a drawer. Oh, no. Okay. So, it just got bad. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. like really hot. Like we're having a good time. And then I, I like, gag and I'm like, oh, that's not good. And start to flail and, oh, my know, gosh. Yeah. in the t-shirt. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'll untie you. Like those are fucking dirty socks, oh and I'm God, like, "Who puts dirty socks in a drawer?" Why did, yeah, why did you uh, put them back in the drawer? What's wrong with you? That was my very first bondage experience oh, of any kind in well, my whole. There. Okay, <laughs> so that was traumatic, and and you <laughs> still you still went back for more. Okay, I I have evolved since then. I don't do yeah. anything with rope. I've actually or dirty socks. Been- so. Yeah, or dirty socks. Yeah, that will always be probably dirty socks in Good the mouth. Grief. Always a hard limit. It was so gross. Um, <laughs> so speaking of of bondage with to sell to tell sort of a hopefully sort of a, a positive sexy direction on that one, um, I, one of the classes I used to teach at at events was showing you not the ropes because I was this rope guy, and you know some some cons or some events like to do something other than another TK another suspension sequence. So we did one that was showing you not the ropes, and I had a girl walk in. Uh, dressed up, carrying a box of things. She sets the box down, and as I stripped her, I tied her up with her own clothes. That sounds much sexier than my story. <laughs> and and explained and explained how we were doing it. And then in the box, we had things like handcuffs and electrical tape and pantyhose and other things that are really good, fun bondage mediums. And some of some of those other bondage mediums have, have very specific safety um, measures, safety protocols, whatever you call it, um, that you need to be cognizant of if you're going to play with you're going to play with handcuffs everybody plays with rope has a pair of safety shears handy, mm-hmm. or a cutter of some sort if you play with handcuffs it does you no damn good at all you know have an extra key and it's here it's on my car keys i can't lose those whatever um you know if you're if you're playing with zip ties you you want the cutter that works for the zip ties or whatever it is um but yeah bondage that's not rope can be a whole lot of fun so if you're not going to do rope, what are some of your like very favorite types of bondage or like bondage items? Um, again, I have a little bit of a service toppy side. So some of that is uh, what gets the girl off. So there are, there are girls that have growing people in general that have a heavy metal fetish that love the feel of chains. So chains and cuffs can be great. You know, leather has its own feel. Leather has its own smell. Um, leather cuffs coupled with chains or rope can be a whole lot of fun. Um, and, and both of those can be, um, less intimidating to folks than pulling out a rope bag of carefully organized lengths that they do certain things with. Um, pantyhose is great. Uh, often overlooked pantyhose are, are really great. Um, another one that is often overlooked is electrical tape. Everybody goes right for duct tape. Electrical tape is, is a better bondage medium. And they make um, bondage tape too. That's made. They do, for that. and that's I'm. I have had people tell me that I need to give it another shake, and I've never been impressed with the quote bondage tape. Uh, electrical tape is stretchy, so uh, you have to be careful. But it's a, it's a different sensation because when you tie somebody up with electrical tape, it continues to squeeze on them. So it's a little bit of pressure too. So just the opposite of, for instance, like metal handcuffs, which you can't put that tight on for safe reasons. So it kind of depends a lot. There's a lot of different um, 
you know, some people are really into the um, device bondage of stockades and, and things like that, mm-hmm. or, or pipe bondage. And all that stuff is great. It, it's kind of, you know, what are you into? What will work for this position or for this uh, cool thing? You know, if you have a, you have a Sibian, you have a fucking machine, you have a Hitachi, you have whips, you have candles. What is it you're going to do next? All of it, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> the bondage, again, we lean towards, yeah, we, we lean towards the, the photography side of it because I start going, well, what looks good with this or what works well with that? Um, you know, what does she get off on which of those things? Because I can make that position with any of the bondage medium. So which one looks cool on camera and which one gets the bottom off the best? And I'm going to recommend to our listeners, if you happen to be new to bondage, you know, definitely take a safety class. We're not digging too deeply into that today. But Mm -hmm. if you want to try something that's really accessible and easy and not expensive, I think that underbed restraints are so underrated. They're so easy. You know, they slide under your mattress so they don't have to be permanently affixed to anything. You can do Velcro that's easily released on the cuffs. But so easy, so fun. They're discreet. So you can like tuck them in. So nobody knows they're there and pull them out. And, you know, they're just a really fun, easy way to start experimenting um, if you haven't done much before with bondage. So if you um, you have sort of a broad pan kink folk uh, as your as your listeners. So can I give you my two minute safety brief on bondage? I would love that. Okay, Uh, red, yellow, green stoplight safe words that we normally use don't always work with bondage. When you talk about a bondage bottom or any bottom, um, you know, super hot. That's great. Uh, super tough. Yeah. That makes you can do more fun stuff. Super bendy. Okay. I can make cool positions, but I will take predictable and communicative any day over those other things. If you can know yourself a little bit so that you can know I'm going to need out in five minutes and you can give me a nice normal heads up instead of an everything's fine, everything's fine. Fuck, Red, get me out of here. Call the cops. Predictable and communicative. Give somebody an idea. Don't just say, ow, ow, ow. Say, my left wrist is hurting. Can you move that knot? That's a much better job. And that's most of being a good rope bottom is being predictable and communicative. And there's, you know, there's core strength and there's hydration and there's, uh, there's processing the, the pain or the stress of it. That's all great. But if uh, from a rope top perspective, from a bondage top perspective, if you will just be predictable and communicative and give me a heads up, if you think you're going to need out, you know, if we're having a great scene, whatever the scene is, if it's spanking, tickling, it's sex, it's uh, Hitachi, it's wax play, whatever it is, we're having a great scene and you can say, Hey, it just as something as mundane as, Hey, I kind of have to go to the bathroom in about 10 minutes. I'm going to have to pee. Okay. Can we finish up this thing we're doing right here or get this extra picture or whatever? And then I'll have you out of here in five minutes. Yep. That's fine. And then we continue on. But just the fact that you knew yourself enough to give me that, that five minute warning is great. Absolutely. And I I really think that that's the same, you know, we talk about safety with any kind of kink and really it comes down to the same elements to communicate and, and also to trust, you know, it as a top, if I don't trust that my bottom is going to use their safe words appropriately, is going to tell me when they had enough, I don't want to play because it's not safe and it's not fun if I'm worried that, you know, they might not tell me when enough is enough. So, absolutely, you know, both people are responsible for maintaining the safety of the scene. Yep, without a doubt. So what is this predicament bondage thing? Okay. I know what it is, but I want yeah. to hear you tell yeah, me. <laughs> that, is, that is kind of my jam. That's a whole lot of fun. And lately I've been calling it a struggle puzzle. Um, That's but, fun. Um, predicament bondage. Okay. I usually start off a predicament uh, demo or class, which are my absolute favorite thing to do. Um, usually I start off a predicament demo or class by saying, okay, everybody here knows that Kink can get a little dangerous. Yep, I get a lot of nods. Everybody here accepts that rope is very dangerous and is edge play. And people kind of look at me and I say, governments kill people with this shit. Can we agree that this is dangerous? And they say, yep. And I say, now, we are swimming the exact deepest, scariest, most dangerous end of it because we are making it intentionally unstable and dangerous. We're going to play with predicaments. And now I have everybody's attention. And a predicament 
again, I, I've seen, if I've seen 10 demos, it's been 10 different definitions of what a predicament is. So it can, it can be as simple as uh, stand on your tiptoes or it pulls on these nipple clamps. And in most cases, time is what's going to make the predicament work. And in the case that I just gave you, standing on your tiptoes and I've pulled nipple clamps up to a hook and you're going to stand there, yeah, for the first five minutes, that may not be a big deal. But if you are being spanked or tickled or having a reason to be unstable, now it's a little bit more difficult. Or if I leave you there for half an hour with your nose pressed against the wall, now it's a little more difficult and things get a little more challenging. So at its sort of root, predicament bondage is really you're saying, okay, you are bound in such a way that if you do X, Y is going to happen and X is a little difficult and Y is, you know, whatever the effect, it's going to be pleasure or pain or difficulty. Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be difficulty. It doesn't have to be pain versus pain. It could be pain versus pleasure. One of my very favorite, uh, very simple predicament. Um, I, I did a lot of predicaments when I was working with our fetish. We did a lot of predicaments that were neck rope. They were very popular. Um, but I make the girl pull on it. So I'm not doing the dangerous neck rope thing. She is. And then I would engineer it to fail in a direction that was safe. So if she pulled too hard and kind of choked herself out, it would fail in a way that released all the pressure. So as a very, very simple, and it's hard to sort of paint these pictures over the radio, um, but uh, on your FM dial, if you're laying spread eagle on a bed and one arm is loose, so one wrist and both ankles are tied, one wrist is loose and you have a Hitachi. You can put the Hitachi on yourself, but there's a rope that goes from your wrist up to the corner of the bed and back down to your neck on a bungee cord, so it's not a hard pull. So if you use it, you're choking yourself out. So if you use it, you're choking yourself, and you put it on an adjustable knot. I, I'm a big fan of, of these micro-adjustable knots to where I can literally give or take an eighth of an inch of, of tension if I need to, or an eighth of an inch of reach. Um, so if you put the touch on yourself, you choke yourself. And it could be loose enough that all it does is give you that little sensation of, oh, good grief, there's a rope around my neck. Isn't this sexy? Or I've had girls that are heavy breath play players that mm-hmm. wanted to try and choke themselves out. And what happens most of the time, and it's delicious frustration and a little bit of a mind fuck and all that, um, is that it's sort of, it's like they're riding the edge of a stall. And as they try to choke themselves out, they end up loosening up and then they try harder and then they loosen up and, uh, it becomes, um, it becomes just, it's a very, it can be a very sexy scene. It sounds like a very sexy scene. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and predicaments, um, I'll use this, um, and advanced and dangerous and not for beginners. Oh, folks. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Very, very much. Very true. This is not but your first rope bondage. No, season. no, this You've is not your first rope bondage season at all, but I do have some very, very basic ones that I do. Um, and even playing with neck ropes, um, uh, something as simple as doggy style with a neck rope. Okay. You pull the girl back into you by the neck rope. Okay, and, and there you are throttling it and you're controlling it and you have to be very careful. But you could also make it a predicament. You could put the neck rope up to the top of the bed and back to you, doggy style. And now you pull the rope, which pulls her away from you, and for her to get back to you, she has to pull on the neck rope. So it that's fairly safe because all you have to do is let go of it. And if she fails, all she's going to do is fall down on the soft bed from a kneeling position, right? So... There's some safety engineered into things. And if, if there isn't, there really should be. And, and that's one of the things we talk about in, in the demos and classes and, and weekends we're doing is, okay, here's the hot thing I want to do. How can I get, and this is going to sound backwards, but how can I get an acceptable level of safety into it? It's dangerous as hell. Everything we're doing is dangerous and, and, and kinky and hot. And part of the kinky and hot is that it's dangerous and we're out on the edge, just like knife play or something. Um, mm-hmm. So... For instance, a, a very simple cinching crotch rope. And some of my influences use that. Matt Williams is one and, and John Blakemore is another. Uh, and they use a very simple cinching crotch rope to where uh, you basically run a waist rope around and, and rope goes up 
through your legs and over the top of the waist rope. So now whatever direction I pull that in, up, down, sideways, it's going to tighten the crotch rope. Now that we have this cinching crotch rope, you can literally just pick a direction and make a predicament in that direction. Uh, you could have her standing on her tiptoes. You could have her upside down up against the door, having to press up away from the floor with her hands. You could do almost anything you want with a simple crotch rope predicament. And if she falls, it might make a little bruise on her hoo-hoo dilly, but nobody's going to die. So <laughs> What did you just call it? That, that, that's a medical term. That, that's Don't make it weird. That's a medical term. Hoo-hoo dilly. Um, <laughs> Right. So, and I this thing we had like our own vagina monologues where we said like all the things you can call a kitty. I tend to call it. Yeah. <laughs> That's not any. And you've never heard who who dilly. Good grief. Um, so, I'm pretty sure that kitty is the scientific term. Okay. Kitty is okay. Could be sure. <laughs> um, so one of that that's kind of where I started with predicaments um, was these kind of semi safe ones and. I like to talk about my own failures. I don't like to talk about other people's failures because I get my ass kicked that way. So uh, I talk about the times I screwed up. And one of them was uh, cinching crotch rope and blindfold, tied the girl's hands behind her, her back and cinching crotch rope. And I had a door hook like you might get at Bed Bath Beyond to hang sweaters on. And I would put it over the door, pull the rope up. And back then I didn't have an adjustable knot. So I would just hard tie it. The girl's up on her tippy toes and this cross rope's trying to saw in half. And then I would go and because I'm, I'm such a, an elegant Dom, I would go and make a frozen pizza or something. Um, <laughs> and I looked over and this girl had swapped ends and was hanging by this crotch rope. Uh, I did not get a return engagement or a, a second interview as they say. Um, and I, I picked her up and I, I cut the rope and everything was fine and, and she was okay. But uh, super fail on my part as the engineer because all I had to do was rig us a really simple, like a loop of a chest harness and tension it so that it was just looser than the crotch rope. So if she fell, it would help her get back up and it would keep her from hurting herself. And that was, geez, that was a lesson maybe 15 years ago. Um, but I, I approach almost, I, I try to approach every predicament like that. Of what is the worst case scenario? She didn't have lunch day and she just passes out. Um, I've seen a girl standing on heels and the heel breaks. She didn't fall off the heel. The heel broke. So every ridiculous thing you can imagine and a bunch you've never thought of can happen. Just try to think of what's a worst case scenario and how can we make this just a little safer so that nobody actually gets sawn in half here. One of our shit happens stories, I think it was the one that Mac told on the show last season involved um, us doing something ridiculous with bondage. And it was like, you know, it was very messy rope. We were wrestling mm-hmm. and it was like a primal scene and we were both trying to catch each other's limbs. Mm. And I mean, I don't, I always say I don't do rope. <laughs> mm. I have played with rope in ways like sure. this that are probably inappropriate, but like, Why? I've never that's, been that's, that sounds great. there's nothing wrong with that. You know, but you know, so we were doing this and, uh, he's a lot bigger than me. He always wins, but that's half the fun sometimes. Yeah, right. And, um, I gave him a run for his money. I like to mention that part too. It took a while and I did catch him in a loop a couple times, but, um, you know, eventually I'm in this full body bind and he really wants to take a picture. So he goes and gets, you know, a camera and I'm like, you know, super stubborn and not really a bottom. And I managed to get to my feet, even though I'm tied like a log. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have this really lovely photo of me only being able to move my wrists standing and flipping him off right before nice. I fell over sideways into a closet and smashed my head. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Oh, the smash your head, not so much, but yeah. But that's the moral of the story. You know, everybody has done stupid things. Everybody uh, that yeah. I know. And what we learn is like, you don't leave somebody actually alone in bondage. Yeah. You, know, you don't, no. you don't put a blindfold on them and yeah, pretend exactly. you're leaving the room, close yep. the door, but have done a way that to a few supervise. Times. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Love the mind fuck, but the safety still got to come first. Right. And, you know, so thanks for being vulnerable about it because I, yeah. I think that people get the idea, you know, like I teach classes, you've taught classes that like, oh, you know, these people know what they're doing and they've never had an accident and like, it's not possible. But the reality is, you know, we say we're trying to move away from 
saying things are safe and talk about risk-aware consensual care yeah, because absolutely. accidents happen and people do, do dumb things. They make mistakes. You know, for me, my goal is to try really hard to make a scene as safe as possible. And then if something goes wrong, you know, to handle it to the best of my ability, but then not to make the same mistake again, because you learn and, you know, you grow. Yeah. I never lose. I either win or I learn. Right. Exactly. So we've talked a little bit about predicament, about different types of bondage. Sure. But um, when I told HypnoStory that I was going to be interviewing you, he said his one question was, why nylon? And you actually make your own rope, right? I do. Well, technically, I don't. I mean, at the molecular level, no, I don't make it. Um, well, you're not sitting at like a loom and like weaving No, I'm not. It, I, I, <laughs> you, I you order, design it. <laughs> I literally order pallets of it. Uh, I cut it and dye it and uh, market it myself. Um, I started off, like a lot of folks, I started off with hemp. I started off with hardware store rope. Um, I gravitated to Western, to Western style, and the super clean, gorgeous stuff that was even in uh, John Willie, and not super clean, John Willie Bazaar Magazine, Western rope. Um, but the super clean, beautiful stuff that like Bob Bishop was drawing. And that sounds weird, but I'm not sure. And, and I've talked to some folks that are, you know, fairly high up in, in the sort of Western pantheon of riggers and nobody's sure where it came from. And a lot of us go back to Bob Bishop's drawings, which were, I think they're drawings in penthouse and, uh, you know, gorgeous doe eyed bucks and girls with their elbows smashed together in impossible positions. Um, there were riggers that came out shortly thereafter and started to tie what they were seeing. Uh, Jay Edwards, Brian Davis, uh, Lou Rubens, Matt Williams, eventually Claire Adams is, is an amazing female rigger and a friend. Um, and they, they tie this beautiful, clean Western stuff. And it's generally with the size rope that it needs to be. Whereas again, in a generalization, I hate to generalize, but in a lot of cases, Japanese rope, they continue to add rope. So a TK might be three or four ropes that are all connected to each other. Um, a Western rigger will generally, if they need a 20 footer, they grab a 20 footer. If they need a 10 footer, they grab a 10 footer. Whereas almost again, it's an overgeneralization. I apologize, but a lot of Shibari styling is done with predominantly, at least the very same size rope, like eight meters is very popular. And they just keep adding eight meters and adding eight meters and adding eight meters. So you end up with a, a, a an intricate, woven, complicated harness binding. Whereas nylon is is really, or not nylon specifically, but Western specifically is is analogous to just putting cuffs on. I want to tie that to that. Okay, there's a short rope. Do it. I want to tie this to that chair leg over there. Okay, here's a little bit longer rope. Do it. And because you're tying short ropes that are not relying on each other. And because you're generally tying at 90 degrees, uh, I don't need tooth. I don't need friction, which natural fiber has. Um, additionally, I don't like itchy, scratchy natural fiber in my bed. And if I, I like bondage for sex, I think bondage is sexy. And if I tie you up in my bed with jute, there's itchy bullshit is stuck in my sheets <laughs> for months. I don't need that. So you nylon has it. no itchy bullshit. That no, is no itchy bullshit. Hypoallergenic, <laughs> uh, five or six or more times stronger than jute. Um, I like the I like the sheen. I like the color as we get to photography. I like the I like the look of nylon in photos. Um, and I just I had five kits of jute and hemp at one point, and after a while, I realized I hadn't touched them in three years, and I started to give them away to people. And I've just found I tie faster, smoother, cleaner, tighter when I tie with nylon. And my, it, it's a chicken and egg kind of thing. My style, if I had a, if I had something I was good at, and I don't claim to be good at much, but if I was good at something, I would say I'm good at simplifying things and, and boiling things down to what do we actually need there? Do I need 90 feet of rope woven intricately, or can I do this with a 20 footer? And that's the structural part is right around her hips. So I'm good at, at boiling things down. And as I've done that, I've my tying became sort of minimalist. And I like it to be very clean and I like it to be non-distracting. 
if I'm tying you up, I'm showing you off. I'm not showing off my rope work. I'm, I'm showing you off. And I don't want knots and what they make a joke and call a rope potato where they have 20 feet of extra rope and they don't know what to do with it. So they bundle it up and hang it near the girl's head. Uh, that's distracting. Uh, I don't want that. I want clean lines. I want simple lines. And I want strict bondage. I have to say, though, I have looked through your catalog and I don't know anything about rope. I'm very upfront and honest about this. It's not been my thing. However, um, some of it is very aesthetically pleasing. There was this one. Was it like Envy Green? Sure. Poison Envy. Could be. Sure. That sounds about right. Poison Envy. It was such a pretty shade of green. Oh, you mean you mean you're looking at the website, not the photos I've shot. Yeah, the website okay, with the sure. that you were selling. Oh yeah, uh, I and- I love creating uh, and it, again it all it's almost like buying a girl lingerie. Um like my go-to is probably burgundy. It's hard to think of a skin eye hair combination that doesn't look good in burgundy. So if somebody doesn't know what to buy, I recommend either a neutral like silver or antique gold or burgundy. Love it. Something about that green though. I Yeah. Sea Dragon Green is another one that is sort of a dark blue green that uh, I'm real proud of. That's a, a secret recipe. And again, looks good on a whole lot of different folks. And I have to say, it was pretty enough that it, you know, it made me think, you know what? Like, I would really love to do a photo shoot. Well, there you I go. In that. Well, <laughs> like, there. It's so Fine. pretty. <laughs> Bring your top and we'll do a photo shoot in that. It'll be amazing. Um, so where can people find this gorgeous nylon rope? Uh, very simply at notheadnylon.com. All right. Let's see. I was going to mention, uh, what were we talking about a moment ago? Oh, with the, the styling of the Western bondage. And I guess where I was going with that was uh, eventually it sorted down to, I literally only use a couple different knots and not a lot of patterns. And that's, again, something that's very different from uh, a more Eastern style. Um, to where you can learn everything that I do in less than 10 minutes. And the rest of it's just Legos. Keep it simple. Keep it sexy. All right. So, I mean, we've talked a little bit about different kinds of bondage, not just rope. We've talked about why nylon, your very Mm -hmm. pretty rope. And I think we should totally take this segment out with a really sexy rope story. Do you have one for us? Okay, super hot one. And it's a predicament. And it was a predicament that I hadn't seen anyone else do. So you won't see my name hung on anything. I don't claim to have invented anything. But this was one that um, it was the first time I had ever seen it was when I tried it. So I'm with a very sexy bottom and had an idea. Uh, You can have predicaments like we were talking about. You can have predicaments that um, I tie you in the predicament and then I can just stand back and enjoy your struggle. Or you can have predicaments Uh, where I encourage you to do a thing or I discourage you from doing a thing. Uh, In this case, it it was very interactive and we had what's called a pump gag. Are you familiar with a pump gag? Um, I'm not sure. What are we talking about? Okay. So for the listeners, a pump gag is a, uh, the one that I had was a harness gag that had a, an inflatable pump inside of it. Pump. I thought you said pup, yep. and I was imagining like oh. like pet play, and I'm like, yeah. I don't know, is it like a, like a little doggy nose or like? Yeah, sort of, but not pump. exactly. No. So yeah, it's a it's a pump gag. Got it. So the pump gag is this inflatable gag that you strap it onto her head, and it has a little little tube and a little bulb that you press, and and the gag inflates inside her mouth. And at first, it just feels like a very comfortable gag right? It's inflatable. It's flexible. It's much, maybe more comfortable than a, than a ball gag or whatever. What most folks don't realize is that the gag, as the gag gets larger and fills your mouth, eventually it presses on the soft palate and now it's closed off all access to air. Almost it happens very quickly and people don't expect it. So it has a nice level of mind fucking panic to it. So we have a pump gag And we have a girl uh, doggy style on a bed with her hands down between her legs, tied every different direction, pulled tight so she can't move. And I give her a Hitachi. And I tell her she can go ahead and get herself off. And as she tries to get herself off, I pump the gag up slowly. And so she is racing with me 
trying to get herself off before she can't get air. Because I told her, I'm not going to open the valve on the gag as long as you're touching the Hitachi. So does that track? Does that make sense? Absolutely. She's getting herself off. You're taking her breath away very slowly. And she knows if she doesn't get off fast enough, she's going to run out of air. Exactly. And she would try to get herself off. And I would rush and pump it two or three times dramatically and scare. And she would be afraid she wasn't going to be able to breathe. And then she would get really close and I would hold it right at the edge. And then I would pop the valve open and then I would pump it back up and she would rush and try to get herself off. And then she would toss the Tachi and I might wait a long one Mississippi count before I open the valve back up. So there was a, a fear level. There was a, an edging level. There was a mind fuck level. Um, and it was a, looking back, that was a very hot scene. It sounds like a very hot scene. And for folks who are beginners, if you're going to do something with a gag, I always recommend doing like a double tap or some kind of a hand signal. Absolutely. Um, Don't forget that your partner cannot speak their safe words verbally out loud. Absolutely. That is super hot. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was very hot. It was very hot scene, but you're absolutely right. If you're playing, that was, that was advanced play. Um, She again, did not have a lot of ways to communicate. She was tied tight in every direction. Couldn't move an inch. Um, so yeah, you do, if you're going to play with gags, you have to have a different safe word. Um, in fact, one of my, oh shit stories is like that. It's kind of funny one, but it's, it's definitely, you learn some things over the years. Well, I feel like we got like a little behind the scenes peak. So thank you so much for talking to my listeners about that. Absolutely. My pleasure. I can't wait to have you back to talk a little bit more about your photography. It's also really incredible. So that's a whole topic of its own. We'll give it its own. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's absolutely been a pleasure. Yay. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. Thanks as always for listening to Naughty Talk. Our show is available on most popular podcast platforms. For updates, to submit a request to be a guest on the show, to write in with questions for our hosts or request lifestyle advice, head over to the show's page at sunnyleemain.com. You'll also find information about my novels, including my Turn the Key series, which are dark erotica with themes of hypnosis, BDSM, and sometimes a little bit of magic. All books feature different kinks and are queer inclusive. I hope you've enjoyed the show and you join us again next time.